This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a, a special edition of Poetry in Motion. Of course, it is a uh, League Cup final preview and other things as well, of course. Uh, wherever you're listening to this, thank you once again for taking the time to download uh, some of the Blood Red content. There is plenty more, of course. Ali Le Rouge, don't ever miss that. Pete and the lads. And uh, also as well, all the stuff with the uh, the uh, the umbrella of Blood Red. They're all fantastic. Very, very, very good listens indeed. I'm joined by uh, one of my mates, one of my good friends on Poetry in Motion. We've got an old stalwart and a newbie. So we're going to start with uh, the old stalwart. Not so old, but certainly a stalwart. <laughs> Dan Kay, how are you, Dan? I'm, all, I'm very well, Fitzy. The Reds, the season's all shaping up like a dream, really. And hopefully we can get the first little bit of uh, silverware on the table on Sunday afternoon. And we all hope, obviously, it won't be the last. Fingers crossed, the first of many this season, my friend. Uh, joined by a, a newbie, um, who I, I'm going to remember his name by saying. His name's Tom Cavilla, or Tom Aston Villa for me, kid. <laughs> That's who you are from now on. Tom, how are you, pal? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. I'm in fine fettle, as as any Liverpool fan should be. There's no reason not to be. Um, so, welcome aboard. Are you looking forward to it? Yeah, should be good. Um should be a good game on Sunday as well. So, yeah, excited to get talking about that. Absolutely, mate. We will get cracking on that. We will get cracking. Uh, we're not going to get political on this, but it's. It, I couldn't help but be hit by the thought that barely four years ago, many, many, many thousands of Liverpool fans were standing in a beautiful city, drinking with the people there, laughing, joking, ready for a, uh, a European Cup final. Of course, I'm talking about Kiev in the Ukraine, and I cannot help but, but worry and, and, and be concerned for the people there by what's going on. We're not going to get political, but I remember me and my me and my mate staying in a hotel. The young woman was the manager. She had a young boy. She was looking after a single mum. And because the currency was landlocked, if you remember, guys, you couldn't take it with you. We had a fair bit of their currency left, and uh, we we put it together and gave it to her in an envelope, and she was crying her eyes out. They, they, you know, these are just simple people just trying to get by, and, and, and what's going on is horrendous. So I think on behalf of every Liverpool fan that was there that day, and shared in their culture and shared in their lives for 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 a, a, a week or whatever. Um, it's horrendous, and our hearts go out to them, Dan Kay. Absolutely, I mean, I, I was lucky enough to be there that day myself, Fitzy. And even though, you know, what happened on the football pitch was, you know, quite uh, the way the game panned out. Obviously, was was quite disheartening. Honestly, in thirty five years of following Liverpool, it was one of the best days I've ever had. If you take the ninety minutes football aside. People rightly go on about Shevchenko Park and the, and the party and everything that was set up there, which obviously was was off the scale brilliant. But I, I, I shared some pictures of it on, on social media this morning. The, the walk down to the ground from that park through this beautiful Baroque city centre with like fans and locals and everyone joining us as we, as we approach this stadium. It's something that will live with me forever. The sense of anticipation and excitement. For me personally as well, I, I'm a... Jewish heritage and all my great grandparents basically bled the pogroms in that part of the world in, in like the late 1800s and that that sense of like the past and the future realigning it was just incredible I'm sure we've all seen a lot of Reds sharing pictures and memories over the last couple of days and our hearts go out to all the people affected and, and when we stand with them and we all want to support them as best we can Absolutely. A beautiful city beautiful architecture very historical very very religious as well Tom and um we just hope that it's left intact and we hope that as many lives as, uh, are, are, are saved as possible and and that this 
unbelievably barbaric situation comes to a head fairly quickly. Um, it's horrible, but it isn't what we're about. But I'm sure you want to say the same thing yourself, mate. Yeah, it's obviously very concerning seeing what's going on there at the moment. Um, you know, it's just a very difficult situation all around. I mean, for the people there, you, you you know, you just feel so sorry for the situation that they've been put in. And, you know, it's been out of their control. And I know we, I know there's not a lot seems to be done at the moment uh, to help them. But, you know, you just hope that the situation will improve over time. We, you know, we don't know how serious it's going to get over the coming weeks. But um, we just have to hope that, you know, the best outcome is reached, hopefully. Absolutely, mate. Okay, well, look, our hearts, our minds, our thoughts are with them as well. And fingers crossed everything uh, turns out okay for them. Let's get on to matters, all things Liverpool. Um, do you know what? This team This team continues to <laughs> continues to flabbergast me. My gas has never been so flabbered. Um, they are a remarkable, remarkable bunch of lads. I mean, you know, is it... What was it two weeks ago? We were looking at the the, the Arsenal <coughs> point gap, and we've torn it apart. You know, uh, if Pep Guardiola was calling us a pain in the ass uh, last week, <laughs> and what must he be saying now? I mean, this has just been. You know, we lose Mane and Salah. It's ridiculous, mate. Uh, and to 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 be in the position we're in now and the way we're doing it uh, is is nothing short of of incredible. Hats have to be tipped to this team, don't you, Dan? Absolutely. I mean, I think if, I think if Pep had any hair left, he'd be tearing it out by now, wouldn't he? <laughs> you know, it's. Um, I think wasn't it? It's only like a couple of weeks. So it wasn't the the way the fixtures have panned out. I think sat, last Saturday was the first time we played before City. Yeah. Quite a while, and it seemed like virtually every time we were kicking off, we were twelve points behind, and we kind of like had that kind of sword of Damocles hanging over our head, knowing that one slip and kind of psychologically it's, vir- it's virtually over. Uh, obviously, they dropped. They, they drew against Southampton a couple of weeks ago, which gave us kind of like a little glimmer. But obviously, what happened Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening was the real game changer, wasn't it? I mean, when we went one down shortly into the second half on Saturday against Norwich, you're kind of thinking, "Come on, surely not." I was getting flashbacks to the game against Swansea, Klopp's first full season, where we'd done a great run. You know, over Christmas and New Year, we were starting to kind of dream a little bit, and then it all kind of came crashing down around our ears. Not, fair play to Norwich. I, I thought Norwich, Norwich was terrific. You can really tell the you know, the difference there. You know their new managers made in them, but this Liverpool team find ways to win, find ways to to basically ride right through whatever roadblocks are put in front of them, um, and you know scored three terrific goals. I, I remember a mate saying to me, I I, I I was a bit under the weather, so I, I didn't go last Saturday. And I, you know, I got a message from a mate afterwards going, "Boss, second half, come on, Tottenham." And I remember kind of, I didn't say anything to him, but I'm kind of sneering inwardly going, yeah, as if, as if Tottenham were going to get anything there. Because I think they'd lost the three the three previous games pretty abjectly. And I, and I was thinking to myself, I'll put it on, but as soon as City score, I'll switch it over. And I was even looking to see what else is on, what might I watch? Because I'm not just going to sit here watching City toss Tottenham aside. like. But um, what, a, what a match, fair play to Tottenham. And how mad football bear in mind Tottenham four days later go to Burnley and lose. But... Um, it's just seems it's it's re, it's it's reinvigorated everybody, hasn't it? Do you know what I mean? I think we were all kind of thinking, you know, we got. I think as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we had a lot of fears about January. You know, the season could if, if things had really gone awry, we could have been. You know, the season could have been in tatters by the start of February. So even before the last couple of weeks, things were looking better than they could have been. But all of a sudden now, it is essentially in our hands, isn't it? Obviously, we're still having to go to the Etihad in in early April. That being said, you know. We're not going to win every game. I don't think City are going to win every game. I don't think it's going to be like 2019 all over again with 
But I, th- I think it'll be close. I don't think there's going to be many drop points, but there will be some. I just kind of think at the moment, I mean, the f- first 10 minutes or so on, we weren't great the first 10 minutes, a bit sketchy. And I noticed you know, a little bit of a kind of tetchiness and an- anxiety in, in the crowd amongst me. And what I keep saying to people is, you know what, just enjoy the ride. How many times have we got to this stage of the season? And it's been like, oh, well, we might get fourth and ooh, great and all that. You know, we're aiming for the we're aiming for the quadruple. Let's just take each game as it comes, enjoy it for what it is, and see where we end up. Absolutely, mate. And Tom, I mean, just to to to, to echo what Dan's just said, we have to as Liverpool fans. Of course, we get frustrated. I get frustrated. The last, inter- in- in- interestingly, the last three games I think against Inter, Norwich, and Leeds, we have started very very poorly. Um, for most of the inter game, to be fair, we were second best in terms of reaction speeds to picking up second balls. But we managed to, you know, do what Liverpool do in that, in that, and you know, from a, from an unlikely source, Bobby with an incredible header, and then of course, you know, after Salah screams at Canati to get out of his way, bang <laughs> on. but against Norwich we started slowly. We we, we ended up going a, a goal down, but there was that that feeling of, of lethargy in the legs a little bit. And then and then uh, against Leeds, a similar thing. Leeds went f- f- right at the traps, and we were, we were looking to, to to catch up. Um, so there there is that, but we have to just we have to just keep keep correcting ourselves, don't we? And I remember there was something there was something that I looked at last week. Ben Foster was talking on a on one of these film podcasts, and he was talking about the effect where places they don't like to go to, and the effect that the, the fans can have. And just reiterating what Dan said about the tetchiness and and how it does translate to the pitch. Ben Foster was mentioning that the worst, the worst crowd for it, and I'm not just saying it's because of who they are, but I'm just saying because of the effect it can have on the teams. Ben Foster said when they go to play Everton at Goodison, he always says to the to the to, to his team beforehand, "Let's just get them making mistakes. Let's just get at them because the fans, he said, the fans are horrible. They get on them, and he can hear them screaming at them, and it makes them worse. And it, it it's just reiterating what Dan says. It's not an attack on Everton. What I'm basically saying is that that feeling of tetchiness and that feeling of anxiety and that feeling of frustration, it translates. It gets to the pitch, doesn't it? And uh, we have to keep reminding ourselves that we, a couple of weeks ago, we were we were on the verge of losing our two strikers and thinking, well, let's face it, we all silently thought, well, this is going to be hard enough as it is, but what position are we going to be in when these two come back? And it's a team that's, that's not only... Not only got through the the, the these stages of the Champions League, but it's done unbeaten. They're unbeaten. They've won every single match in the Champions League at the moment. They've clawed back a fourteen point at one point gap. It went to twelve nine six and is now sits at three in a cup final on Sunday, uh, and and still strong uh, in in the FA Cup. I mean, it's it's just remarkable, Tom, isn't it? Yeah. Um, just on that Ben Foster thing, I, I listened to what he was saying about that. I think he actually said as well that he know he's known sort of players throughout his career at Watford that have sort of said, you know, when they've had a game coming up at Anfield, um, he's known players basically just pull out in, um, with an injury in training that week conveniently, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so obviously, and then he was, went on to talk about sort of the power of Anfield and, and how when he's there as an opposition player, he even finds it hard not to, you know, be taken aback by the atmosphere. Um, I think he even said that he he starts singing "You'll Never Walk Alone" when he when he's in the goal as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like you said, a lot of players will feel like that when they come to Anfield. So you've got to try and make the most of that because, as you know, as an opposition player, it is a difficult place to go. And you know, our record over the year has been so strong that teams will be coming to Anfield fearing the worst. So. 
Um, just going back to Liverpool's, you know, ability to come back in the games, I think it's something, you know, we saw in 2018-19 and 19-20 and as well, you know, that ability to to keep coming back in the game when, you know, it looked like Liverpool were out of it and then they just find a way to get a late goal or a last-minute winner. And I think that's something, you know, that we're seeing again now this season, they are finding ways to win. And, that, and that's got to go credit, it's got to go to Klopp for that because that's the mentality he has in the team to keep fighting and to keep trying to get the three points. Um, you know, they never look like they're going to settle for a draw any time you watch them. And, you know, that's a real positive for Liverpool. You know, you see other sides at the top, maybe Manchester United, for example, that going to a certain ground, they might settle for a draw, but that's just not in Liverpool's DNA to do that. So, yeah, it's been a really exciting season and it looks like it's going to carry on that way. Yeah, I mean, it's just part of the DNA of this league now is that you cannot slip up, you cannot make mistakes, you've got to win or attempt to win every single game. And I think it's an ethos that Liverpool and Man City, the only two that are really up to speed with, the only two have really had to contest it that way. I mean, who didn't look at Chelsea at the start of the season and think, well, well these could be these could be decent. You know, without us, there'd be 10 points adrift mm. right now. Um <clears throat> It's just about maintaining those levels. Uh, incessantly, Dan, I was watching the Norwich game and it's it's a very... You've got Luis Diaz who's coming to the side we'll talk about in a second. I mean, what you know, what an incredible difference that that kid could make alone to how this season pans out on the Cups because he just... If ever you needed someone to invigorate a team, he seems to be doing what Luis Suarez did with yeah. every team he played for. He runs on with so much ferocity, chases back so much, he's so... He's so snapping at the heels of the opposition defence. He, it feels like he brings everyone with him. And I feel like we've got a little pocket rocket again. And and and, um, and that can only bode well for us. I think he's going to be fantastic. But conversely, Dan, I've always been a fan of Oxlade-Chamberlain. I've always liked him. But against Norwich, he, he, he did that thing again that he does whenever he is given the opportunity to start a game. I don't think he's ever finished a game. I've got to be honest with you. I think his stats will actually do in 90 minutes. He did that thing where when when Norwich's goal came about, I know it was a deflection, but it was a lovely bit of play. He sort of jogged alongside that player um, and then turned and sort of uh, did that thing where he's uh, he's looking like he's in his way, but he wasn't really doing anything. And it was reminiscent to when we absolutely spanked Arsenal at Anfield just before he signed for us. And he was doing that jogging back chat to one of his mates when a call him was going on. And it was frustrating because I just thought, you know, there's a, I like him, I like him. Or do you think he's consigned to the trying to make a difference with 15 to go now, Dan. It doesn't seem to me to be someone who can grab an opportunity with both hands. I mean, he's, he's a real enigma, isn't he? Isn't he? I, I do feel he's kind of had some really rotten luck in his Liverpool career at times. Obviously, he was in absolutely prime form when he got that terrible knee injury against Roma in the Champions League semi. He played a huge part in that, in that run for Kiev. And I, I've always maintained people talk about Ramos and Carrius and all the rest of it, but I, I I maintain that his absence that day was 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 a a, a major factor in, in Liverpool not winning bringing the cup home. Obviously, then took him. You know, it was a terrible injury. It took him more than a year to get injured uh, to get fit again. That last dramatic match against Atletico Madrid uh, before lockdown, which in Liverpool's Championship season, I I maintain that was one of our, Liverpool's the best performances of the whole campaign. They were brilliant that night, and then obviously, as we know, Adrian made a mistake and, and we got knocked out. Um, I've, I thought Klopp made one of the biggest mistakes of his Liverpool career that night. By, by he, as far as I was concerned, Oxford Chamber was the best player on the pitch that that night, and he got hooked with ten to go when Henderson was coming back from an injury that he picked up in the first leg. Like, he should have been the first sub, really. 
And, you know, so it just seems like every time he kind of, he seems to be on the verge of something, circumstances conspire against them. Um, but, you know, I, I did watch most of the game, uh, in, you know, inadvertently on Saturday, even though it wasn't at Anfield. And when the team was named, you know, quite rightly, Klopp, mix, Klopp mixed it up a bit, because obviously we're basically playing every three, four days now for the next couple of months. And I thought him, him and Keita, it was a big opportunity for both of them, and neither really grabbed that opportunity by the scruff of the neck. Um, all, the only, all I would say is, you know, I, I still think there's an opportunity for him to be to play a part this season. It may well be that come the summer, it might be almost like a mutual agreement thing. You know, he's had five, six years here. It, it might be best for all parties if it, if it moved on. But we've got the squad we've got until May. We've got potentially a hell of a lot of football matches still to play. The squad is looking really... You know, it's ironic, isn't it? Only a week ago, everyone was saying, wow. We've got a, we've got a, a fully fit squad for the first time in ages, and then all of a sudden Jota and Firmino go down. It's inevitable there will be other injuries. I think one thing Chamberlain suffers of suffers from sometimes is what's his best position? Is it in the front three? Is it in the midfield three? Is it centrally? Is it wide? I think I think that's hampered his ability to kind of really nail down who he is and what he is in this Liverpool squad. I, I do share your frustration, Fitzy, but I kind of think. For now, we might yet need him. So, yeah, I don't see him being the first name on the team sheet for any of the big games coming up. But it wouldn't surprise me if he's still got another little chapter yet to write in his Liverpool story. And, and I hope so. I absolutely, I wasn't having a go at him in any stretch. No, I, I really like him. I just, it just is frustrating. And I think you're absolutely he right. was poor, Saturday. He he's was frustrated yeah, when he needs so. to play. You don't know whether he's a winger or whether he needs to sit in front of the. It's Stitches behind the forward two. I don't think he's a holder. That's the problem. And I think no. I think Klopp does have this sort of uh, problem with where to try and place him. Uh, not so much so, Tom, with uh, Luis Diaz. Let's talk about this kid who's turned up. And and like very much like Jota, he's one of those players where you instantly think of him on the team sheet, don't you? And he's been here a couple of weeks. I mean, he, he, you know, and, and I think that I think he's played five times for us in all competitions. But the, but it's only three. I think was, that was only his. Second or third appearance was it against Leeds? Third, maybe. Yeah. And already, you just think you can't think of a team without his in his endeavour, his enthusiasm, his ability to break down attacks. He did it a few times against Leeds. He's done it a few times when he just runs on it and that tenacity. Um, just exactly what we need, isn't it? Towards this end of the season, we need someone with fresh fresh legs who's going to sort of drag everyone forward with him, Tom. Yeah, and I, I completely agree about your point about Suarez. It really reminded me of him, you know, watching him against Leeds, just the way he's sort of chasing down the ball or running at opponents. Um, you know, that's what Suarez was so good at doing, you know, just keeping on going, trying to frustrate the other team. And, yeah, I think he's going to look like a really valuable player for the team. Um, you know, obviously uh, there was a few other sides that were interested in him and, and we've managed to get the deal over the line. So, the fact that there were other Premier League sides showing the interest just shows you that, you know, he is someone that is highly rated by a number of clubs and um, to get him is, you know, a massive boost for Liverpool because what he will do is just push the likes of uh, Mane, Firmino, uh, just to raise their game even further. I know we've seen it in other areas of the pitch where competition's been added to the squad and, and that's only a good thing for Liverpool because we've spoken so much about, you know, maybe a lack of depth at times in the team and just having players like Diaz. You saw it when Jota came in as well. You know, everyone was saying that he was just going to be a backup to begin with, but he's gone in and, and made it his own, that, that forward spot. So, you know, if Diaz carries on at this rate, then 
you know, Klopp might have a bit of a dilemma regarding who he leaves out going forward, but, um, you know, that's a good problem to have for him. I suppose he'd rather have it that way than, than none of them playing well. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens regarding next season, who he chooses as that forward three. Um, obviously, we don't know what will happen with Mane, Firmino's futures exactly, and even Salah to a point. So, yeah, I'm interested to see what happens long term with that. Poetry in Motion on the Blood Red Channel. It just feels like uh, we don't know what's going to happen. Like you say, it's highly unlikely we're going to win every match. Highly unlikely City are. But it just, um, it's good to be in this, at this point in the season with what feels like a team that is really just finally starting to, to, to knit. It sounds ridiculous. But we're finally starting to see Thiago having more of an impact in that side. And and, and last couple of games he's been, I mean, against Leeds, he was he was absolutely delightful. When he, you know, the, the term puppet master, pulling all the strings, I think. Um, Fabinho finally starting to look like after all this time, we can we can feel the team that, that that we can really feel is our strongest. I mean, even now we feel like Virgil's, even though he's been excellent all season, even now it feels like he's much more in the groove than he was at the beginning of the season. He's overcome a huge injury, and now he feels like he's really slipping into the upper gears. And and uh, what can you say about Joel Matip? I mean, the goal the other night, these surgeon runs forward. They're not an accident. He's clearly being. He feels confidence in, in the ability of the team around him to cover for him. But that goal, Jan, was just a bit something special. We've all been screaming at him, finish it, I'll do something for weeks and weeks. And then he finally does that. It's a beautifully weighted pass back to him. But what a goal, Dan. It was magnificent. I mean, I was a little bit gutted on um, Saturday. Like I said, I didn't go. And I'd already read someone saying that period, kind of like after Norwich scored and before, when, when between them scoring and us going 2 1 up, was like the most feral Anfield had been in years. And I've always said, to be honest, Anfield's never louder than when Liverpool are coming from behind. And one of my mates said, oh, that, that was the best moment of the season so far. And I was thinking, why wasn't I there type thing? However, for me, Matip's goal on, on on Wednesday night was maybe my moment of the season so far because he's such a, you know, he's, he's such a kind of understated quiet man figure. But I think you could see from the reaction in all his teammates, Van Dijk, you know, pulling his shirt up off the back. Um, the look on Salah, you know Salah, um, and I, I think we, I think we, you know, Mohamed Salah deserves. Not that we don't normally talk about him, but I, I think Doyle, Ian Doyle, wrote a piece yesterday, basically saying, you know, crunching the numbers, like in terms of goal involvement and assist, you know, he is t- in terms of pure cold numbers, he's arguably one of the players Liverpool have ever had in the history. You know, I, I, I'm, you know, I don't believe you can you can show everything by stats. I think what you see, what you feel are sometimes just as important as what numbers have. But what able to know that every time you go to Anfield to get to see someone like them play play their trade in our red shirt, you know, he scored two penalties. You know, it it is it, sheer goals per game stats are unbelievable. But what was it, three assists on, on, on Wednesday night? You know, the quality of his passing, the relentlessness of the way he plays, he never gives up he must be an absolute nightmare to play against. Yeah. And like you say, it, it just feels like everything's coming to the boil nicely. This is a huge, you know, this this is one of the greatest Liverpool teams that there's ever been. I don't care what anybody says. There's people, you know, far more time served than me that have seen the likes of Kenny and Roger Hunt and all the rest of it that would that would back that up. But, you know, I'm in my mid-40s. I've seen a bit. These are unbelievable. We already knew this two years ago. Someone, you know, a day or two ago. Partly to do with, like, the current you know, situation that we're in. 
you know, thank God we you know, we won that league two years ago. We ended that 30-year wait. But there's a part of me, because we weren't in the ground, because it was kind of taken away from us a little bit, it feels like we haven't won it properly yet. And, you, have, you know, we always heard similar noises coming from Klopp and out the Liverpool camp. But I think we're actually seeing demonstrable evidence of that at the moment. You know what I mean? They... It, you know, this team isn't going to be forever. You know, the, the core of it is coming towards the end. You know what I mean? You know, the, the front three are all 30. A lot of the senior players are in the late 20s and 30s. Thankfully, we've already started in some way the succession of the next evolution with the arrival of the likes of um, Diaz and Jota and Simakas and, you know, other players that ultimately will take over. But you just get the sense amongst the likes of these senior players, your Mane's, your Van Dykes, your Fabinho's, Hendersons, that they know how good they are and they know that they deserve more to show for it. And this season is an incredible opportunity to provide it. And they've really got their teeth stuck into it now and they're not going to let it go without a big fight. Absolutely. Tom, the only thing that was missing the other night when Matip scored was Jordan Henderson whacking him on the back of the head uh, <laughs> in a revenge attack. Um, now, it, it, it is extraordinary. It didn't cost us a penny. And he's had his moments, Matip, hasn't he, where people have gone, oh, we think he's a bit of a Bambi on ice and sometimes he can be a bit wobbly. And, you know, but, you know, first and foremost, he's alongside, uh, you know, uh, I, I could put in a decent shift alongside Van Dyke myself. Uh, he's an extraordinary, the pair of them an extraordinary calm and influence on each other. Van Dyke idolises Matip. Um, mm. And the two together are very hard. I mean, my lads before the game tonight were saying, we want to see Canate, we want to see Canate. I said, no, but Canate is one of those future, as Dan just says, he's one for the future and he's going to be. But you can't argue with, with, with the kind of system we've got. I think, bro, don't try to fix it. And I think Matip every now and again can have a couple of wobbles and some of his distribution in one of the earlier games wasn't too clever. But then that, that that's symptomatic of a lot of the teams sometimes. Sometimes we just don't get them passes right. I think it, if teams come out traps at us, we're only human and I think we can get a bit flustered ourselves. But to watch him in his pomp striding forward, it's like Alan Hansen-esque in the old days. <laughs> I can remember that. I'm old enough to remember Alan Hansen driving forward. Um, but And even that gives him confidence, I think, just to stride forward and to finish it the way he did, lifting it over the keeper like that was just extraordinary, wasn't it? Um, and just bodes well for us again. How do you feel, how do you think... These kind of results. I was watching the Leeds game the night and I said to me, lads, well, don't forget. And even the commentators went, you know, City beat these 5-0 and we only go and do six. And I just think, you know, the Guardiolas of the world, we know what kind of a, 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 how things can get into his head, Tom. So even mm. that the night, closing the gap to three points and now the fact that, you know, we can we can go ahead on goal difference if we get a result against City, which is a, a, a few games off yet, but still, you know, it's going to be the most important game of the season, clearly. And little things like that, little nuances like that, that must just add, mustn't it, to the frustration and, and the tension in uh, Pep Guardiola when we can't even, they can't even outshout us with the scoreline. Yeah, um, I think whenever you watch uh, Guardiola's press conferences, a lot of the time, you know, he might not even be talking about Liverpool and he'll suddenly bring Liverpool into the equation out of nowhere. Um, I think you know people that say he's constantly thinking about it, they probably have a point in a way because, like I said, whenever it, you know it could be about anything and somehow Liverpool will be brought up from uh, by Pep out of nowhere. So yeah, of course he's going to be he'll be worried about Liverpool just because of our recent form in the league and um, you know there's every reason why he should be worried because the way they're playing at the minute there's there's every chance that you know City can be catched. Um, I think there's that clip from 
I think it's the 2017-18 season on the Man City documentary where uh, Guardiola's in the dressing room and he's just absolutely panicking about Mane, Salah and Firmino uh, trying to give the City players instructions on how to mark them. And I think, you know, he he will he knows about the quality of the team. So, and, you know, a result like that, 6-0, you know, he knows with all the form we're in and, uh, you know, City will have to watch it. Otherwise, you know, we will overtake them. The beauty of that clip that I've always loved is that we weren't playing, <laughs> we weren't playing Liverpool at that time. No, yeah, exactly. We were yeah. playing Everton on Newcastle. <laughs> so what are you talking about? That? And it was well, just... the, the only thing about it though, it, it, that that game at Everton, it was it was the weekend before the Champions yeah. League quarterfinals. Yeah. So we, so we were already massively in the red. And, and remember, a couple of months before, we beat them four three at Anfield. They've been the first team to beat them in the league that season, which was a massive result yeah. in this overall journey. I always think. Poetry in motion. On the Blood Red Channel. The one thing I say about what people should never ever forget about this Liverpool team and about Klopp and about this reign and about this era is that if ever a team weren't in the game plan at Man City, it was it was Liverpool because Man City have bought and constructed and not just a football team but an infrastructure. An infrastructure, a training facility, a stadium that they got for, for nothing, virtually anyway. Tremendous they, lawyers. Tremendous <laughs> lawyers, incredible yeah. lawyers. Big, massive, the biggest brown envelopes I've ever seen. Um, envelopes you can climb into. Um, <laughs> but what I'm saying is, <clears throat> they had a plan. They had a 10, 20-year plan, and the future was Man City. And the future was clear. And look, you can't deny that they've been successful, been hugely successful. But if ever there's been a stone in the sandal of Manchester City, uh, it's been Liverpool because they just turned up in that 4 3 I remember I was at that game. We went 4 1 up with that incredible kind of um, the Mo Salah sort of wasn't even a yeah. chip. Was Shit. Love, yeah. three, go- three goals in 10 minutes, just like a blitz. And, and, and I can remember that must have been the first time, I think, where Pep's gone, oh, hello. Because everyone was just counting down to them up to that point. They were just doing, just, they were just skiing through people. And it was just. It was like, you know, it was like a, a, a lion coming into and then facing a bigger lion. I mean, we just absolutely tore them. All right, they got a couple back at the end, but they were shell-shocked. And that, I think, was the first, must have been the first time that Pep Guardiola thought, oh, hello. And then, of course, it was the, you know, it was the it was the Noel Gallagher. Um, they're irrelevant now, wasn't it? Which we have been anything. But we've had that blip, of course, with injuries and stuff. Last season was, was one to write off. But we're there and we're going nowhere, Dan Kay. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's become, a, it's become a rivalry for the ages as, as, as us and City. And I think for the neutral, uh, without wanting to trash all our history you know, or modern history, certainly, I think a lot of neutrals have really you know, taken a lot from it as well. For all that we enjoyed the Benitez era and even the Julia era, there was a certain conservatism and pragmatism to the way that they played. You know, those kind types of managers, the Mourinho kind of mentality has become a little bit outdated, you know, this new era of progressive attacking, counter-pressing football is is great to watch. It's raised the bar and, you know, Guardiola, Klopp, Tuchel, these type of managers. I, I think it has been good for the game. Um, the frustrating part for us, I think, is that, you know, it, it, we've obviously assembled this squad, this team, this manager, you know, not without some finance, but generally, without mo- generally with money that we've raised by, by selling players and being well run as a football club, um, you know, there's no point going into the, you know going into a big rant about City's financial situation because it is what it is. We know where we are. We know what we're up against. But I do think that 
it makes our achievements all the more impressive and all the more meaningful. I think you know, for years and years when we were you know when we were so far away from winning the league, we'd sometimes have conversations in ale houses, wouldn't we? You know, particularly once the likes of Abramovich and Mansour started to come in. Well, you know, and and obviously Liverpool's ownership, as we know, was so up in the air for years and years, and you know, the early part of, of this, this century. And and we'd say things like, well, you know, would you want to be taken over by someone like that? And just just buy everyone and just financially bludgeon your way to success. And maybe in our and maybe in our more desperate moments, we might have said yes. But looking back on it now, I kind of think whatever you know, whatever we've done in this golden era, we've done the right way. I think there was there was a clip of Guardiola wasn't it last weekend going round basically just hinting at that little bit of kind of unease that they feel that they don't get the credit they feel that they deserve from the wider footballing community who can see that they have financially bludgeoned their way to success and that's something that they have to live with and that that's their problem at the end of the day and you know they they, they have some tremendous footballs they play some great football but I know whose side of the divide I'd be on and. I think we need to enjoy it because at the end of the day, <clears throat> how long we're going to have these owners? We, all, you know, they've they've done pretty well for the club. They've made some bad mistakes as we know in the past, but they've got the club performing on on and off the pitch. Personally, I always felt that that, that, that one of the reasons they came into English football was because of the financial fair play aspects. You know, if you look at what they've done in America, they were never ones that would just throw limitless sums at it. I think the the chance of having a competitive balance in that they have in American sports is what enticed them over. And I've felt for a few years, really, that once it's become clear that financial fair play isn't really isn't really worth a carrot, ultimately they will they will at some point look to sell us on for what would be a huge profit. What did they pay? Three hundred million, and I think we're worth now maybe two to three billion. Ultimately, the only people that would be able to take off their hands would be something on that level. And if that was to happen, it, you know, I hope I'm wrong, but there does seem kind of like a certain inevitability to it. Obviously, as we know, Liverpool's financial results come out today and they, they seem to have got through the pandemic reasonably well. But ultimately, you know, these are businessmen, businessmen John Henry and Werner and all these. At the end of the day, there will be a bottom line for them. They're not going to be in it forever. And they may well pass us over. And, and if that happens, we hope, you know, obviously the, the, the club structure's changed a little bit with, you know, with, with fan representatives on the board. Supposedly, there's this power of veto. I'd like to think we might be able to stop it. But in the cold, hard world of business in 2022, and the future, who knows what that will be. But for now, I just think, like I said before, lap it up, enjoy the ride. Nothing's guaranteed. You don't know what next next week's going to be like at the moment, let alone next season. So just soak it all in and enjoy it because nothing's guaranteed in life or football. Absolutely. Well said, sir. Well, let's enjoy Sunday, shall we? Um, just a small, uh, tiny job of getting rid of Chelsea. Uh, which would be for our first bit of domestic silverware under Klopp <clears throat> and would be very nice indeed, add to the tally. <clears throat> uh, no small feet though, Tom. These are a decent side, aren't they, Chelsea? Let's be honest with you. Yeah, I know the Romelu Lukaku's going through it at the, a bit at the moment. It's it's a £97 million headache at the moment for Tuchel. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he basically dropped him <clears throat> for the last game um, and put Ziyech up there, was it? No, it wasn't Ziyech. It was... Um, uh, Who's the other guy they've got who scored in the cup? Well, yeah. No, no, no. He put um, the guy who scores in the uh, Havertz. 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 Oh, Havertz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, and it seemed to be, it seems to be. Uh, <coughs> so whether or not Lukaku's going to start or he's going to get on the bench and bring him on, but there's still uh, there's still not a team to be scoffed at. Are they? They're a tough, tough team. Chelsea, very, very good defensively. 
Uh, I know they've been sh- shipping goals, but they are very, very good defensively, and it's and it's uh, it's not going to be an easy uh, an easy ninety minutes, Tom, is it? No, it's not. Um, I think the two games we played against in this season that they've been difficult games. The one at Anfield, especially, um, you know, they were very difficult to break down that day, even after getting the red card. So. Um, the, yeah, the game at Stamford Bridge as well. It's one we should have won, but we obviously let them back into it. And that, you know, Chelsea were really good. You know, the way they fought back in that game was uh, was quite impressive. Um, but just wondering how this, you know, all the talk around Lukaku is going to impact them just going into Sunday because, you know, there's been a lot of talk around it. And Tuchel's obviously had to deal with the interview that Lukaku did uh, with Italian media, which, you know, caused a lot of problems for him. And now, obviously, again, everyone's speaking about Lukaku going into this game. He dropped him for the Champions League match, and he's had, you know, he's constantly fielding questions about him. And you know, that's it's not what you want with your record signing, particularly in his first season back at the club. So I just wonder how that's going to kind of affect the team going into this. Um, the Chelsea, just on the striker front as well, they, they've always seemed to. Just talking about it earlier. They've always seemed to have a bit of a problem in recent years with the strikers, you know, no matter who they've had up front, you know, take aside, you know, maybe Diego Costa and Drogba. You know, there's been a number of examples over the years of players they brought in for big money, Torres, whoever it may be over the years, and it hasn't quite worked for them. I think Lukaku might just be another example of that, you know, depending on how the rest of his career goes at Chelsea, we don't know, but... I think I'm quite confident, you know, heading into it just because of the form that we're in. I don't think Chelsea's squad is as strong as ours overall. Looking at it, I'm overall balance. Um, I think Reese James is still going to be out for this one through injury, and he's obviously a big part of what they do, the uh, wing backs. So, yeah, I, I'd say it'll be a difficult game, but I, I expect Liverpool to win it, to be honest. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. I've got a feeling that uh, Tuchel might want to look because Liverpool are renowned for holding the high line. Whether or not Tuchel's going to feel like uh, Timo Werner has the pace to get behind that. And and and, and whereas Lukaku likes to just play with a deep defence, doesn't he? He likes to just, he's, mm. he's, he's a big, strong lad. He likes to, he's not one for necessarily splitting 40 yards with the ball and trying to clear the defence. So he possibly could do it. I think they've got a couple more injuries as well. I think um, Ziyech, was in it was injured and also um uh the guy who's got I'm terrible with names man the guy who scored there uh, that absolute worldy at uh, Stanford Bridge oh Kovacevic is it Kovacic Kovacic yeah. Kovacic, Kovacic. Uh, I think he's injured as well so it's going to be an interesting well, one uh, and uh, and one that as I said before you know when now that we've got the inclusion of Diaz uh it's one of them ones where you can say well you know there, there are rumors in the papers and, and in the press that um that Jota could be fit. He's trying to fight. He's trying to get fit for the game. I don't think he's going to start the game now, but it'd be good to have someone like him to bring on at some point during the game and leave Mane, uh, Salah and Diaz. You would imagine the team kind of picks itself, wouldn't you? The same kind of team near the night, really. Um, and that midfield, whether or not he's going to start with a Hendo, Dan Kay for a bit of experience or whether he thinks the... Um, the uh, Thiago and Fabinho. I mean, Curtis Jones was the third member. He probably will go Hendo if he's fit. Um, Fabinho and Thiago, would he not, mate? You would think. Henderson's the captain. You know, his form has been a little bit in and out <clears throat> last couple of weeks. <clears throat> but he's a big game player. Captain. He's, he, he, um, 
you know, he's proven himself on the on the big occasions that, that he can step up when, when Liverpool need it. It's a nice position for Klopp to be in, you know, you know, to have these kind of different options. Obviously, we hope that, you know, Jot has obviously been a revelation. Even just to have him on the bench, I think, would be uh, an enormous boost for us. I, I, I wouldn't imagine we'd see Firmino. I think Firmino is one of those kind of players that needs rhythm. You know, if you, if you remember, you know, he basically missed the run into Madrid. Uh, and then, yeah, we, they, 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 they did everything they could to get him for the final, but he wasn't he, he wasn't fit, was he? And he got subbed after, after hardly having a kick after an hour. Um, it's, you know, a better team than Chelsea. We're a better team than Chelsea. But Chelsea are very good at finals. They're very good at cup finals. You know, for, for all, it amazes me, you know, the modern era, since that first Mourinho spell, they've obviously become a little bit of a revolving door for managers. But there's a culture of success that's become woven into that club over the last 15, 20 years, where the likes of Ancelotti or Di Matteo or whoever, you know, Antonio Conte can come in, may only be there a year or two, but still win a big cup. So you, you, you cannot take them lightly in finals, even if, you know, I think most neutral observers would probably give us the edge. They've got some big game players. They upset the apple cart in Lisbon in the Champions League final against Manchester City last May, where I think City would, you know, absolutely were favourites to win. But like Tom, I just you just feel that we've got a bit of momentum, we've got a bit of belief. And as I was saying before, I just think there's this feeling of unfinished business in this Liverpool team. Do you know what I mean? They know that they know how good they are, and they've still got that kind of a little bit of a thirst they need to slake just to kind of to prove it to people to back it up with trophies. And the first one comes on Sunday, hopefully. You know, it, you know the, the League Cup absolutely is, is the fourth in the priority list, but every big club in the season starts. But look at the teams that have won it the last 10, 15 years. It's nearly always Chelsea, City, Arsenal, United. You know, the teams that are winning stuff. It's often a springboard to better things. Uh, you know, you, you've got that monkey off the bat. You've got your first season, your first trophy of the season out of the way. And I think it'll be tough. I think it wouldn't surprise me if we went to extra time or even penalties. Um, but you know, I'm not going to say here and say I don't think Liverpool are going to win because I do. <laughs> uh, do we know is it Kellen goal? Is he sticking to some of the people who've got us through there? Is he going to stick with Kellen? It's not going to be Alisson. It's going to be a day off for him, is it, Tom? Uh, yeah, starting Kellen and goal. Um, Jamie Carragher's just been speaking about that earlier. He's been basically saying he doesn't understand that decision of uh, managers when they, you know, they play the second choice goalkeeper all the way through and then start them in the final. Um, but they change it for other positions. So the likes of Cade Gordon, you know, anyone else that played, but that will be dropped for the final. Interesting point. But um, yeah, Kelleher is starting for the final. Uh, I expect it will be Kappa for Chelsea as well in goal. Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, Kelleher played in the in the 2-2, didn't he, as well? Um, so That's we should... right, because had um Corona, I think, didn't he? Yeah, so he shipped a couple yeah. anyway. Yeah, I mean, look, if he's there and he's not doing very well, he can be subbed. It's as simple as that. But I think, you know, he's got us through there and I don't see any reason why he couldn't. The interesting thing will be to see how long um, Chelsea's owners is allowed to stick around. <laughs> Rumours of that already hitting the fan. Um, yeah. So this could be their last big final for a while. <laughs> um, all right, listen, so... Let's let's have a a, um, a prediction then, uh, Dan. You've already said you can see it going all the way, but you think it's going to be a pens victory for Liverpool? Do you think? No, I'm going to say Liverpool three, Chelsea one after extra time. Okay, Tom. Um, go for two one to Liverpool. Two one to Liverpool. I fancy Diaz yeah. is going to. 
I know he's going to do something anyway, but I fancy he's going to get in the score sheet. Diaz, I don't. It's a it's a it's a great thing to know that in the final they're going to be playing against someone who they know virtually nothing about, other than some European games maybe. And unleashing him on that wing, um, I think is is, is going to is going to terrify them. And uh, and uh, looking forward to it. All right, so I'm going to go. Um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go two one Liverpool. I think we're going to score war, war, at least one more than them, but. It's a possibility they're going to score. They're a decent side, but I'd like to see a 2-1 victory for the Mighty Reds. Let's just round things up with the next six games um, outside of the Carabao Cup. Of course, the next six games we have West Ham at home. None of these are gimmies. We know that. We're in a very, very tough league. Apparently, the FIFA thing came out the other day and said that um, rate no leagues in world football and um, League um, League One apparently is the greatest league in, um, in world football at the moment. Isn't that funny? So the one Messi's just moved to, um, and we, we, weren't, we weren't even the top three. But the Premiership is head and shoulders the toughest uh, and most entertaining league, and most kind of you know you go to Bundesliga, you've got a couple of teams there, and then the rest is like Scotland, isn't it? Mm. You know, there's not a lot of parity in most of the other leagues. Let's face it, there's a lot more parity. I know you could say maybe there isn't in ours because of because of us and City, but there's still. On, a, on any given day, someone can upset someone. And I think there's that parity that you don't have in a lot of them other leagues. Anyway, we have West Ham at home. Then we've got Brighton away. Arsenal away. Uh, depending on which Arsenal turn up, to be quite honest with you. Um, to that one. Man United at home. They seem to be finding a little bit of form at the moment. But, uh, you know, I'm not the Man United we're used to seeing them. Well, that that game could move though, because that game is scheduled for the FA Cup quarter final weekend, and obviously we've got to fancy our chances of getting past Norwich. Yeah. So that could be a tasty little midweek towards the end of season, end of the season, just like it was last season. Yeah. If you remember, we had to go there and get a result, and we did. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, obviously, in, in, in front of an empty ground, be a different a different situation with seventy five thousand in there, but um. You know, I, I think I'm right in saying that that was the first time Klopp had taken a Liverpool team to win there. So he's got, and, and then obviously we won five 0 there in the league earlier this season. So I think whatever kind of little monkey might have been on our back about United is long gone. They probably they surprised me by getting a result in Atletico Madrid. Saw some of the highlights yesterday actually, and the, and the from the look of it, they were quite lucky. They could have been two or three down by the time they got the equaliser, but. It's Liverpool, man. You, you don't take it lightly, but there's nothing to fear there for us, I don't think. I don't think so either. And then we've got um, Watford at home. And then a little matter of, man, talking about empty grounds, a little matter of um, Man City <laughs> at the Etihad uh, is the sixth game in our group of six coming up. Um, uh, the biggest, Tom, the biggest game we'll have seen, the most important game we'll have seen. Hopefully, you never know, we might be six clear by then. Um but if if things are going towards to, to plan, uh, it's going to be a huge game, isn't it, Tom? Yeah, um, I know. I just want interested to see, you know, what the points different will be just going into that. Um, you know, whether we'll be, you know, level on points or three ahead, three behind. You know, that's just going to add to, you know, the importance of it depending on where we stand with that. Um, I think, you know, one thing we can expect, you know, regardless of that, is it's going to be a, a really good game from both teams. You know. City like Liverpool, they you know they don't hold anything back on the pitch. Like you were saying earlier, the way they play, it's very similar to us in the sense that they'll they'll go all out for the win. So you know expect it to be like all the other games we've had against them in recent years. Of you know probably will be a few goals. I know there's a couple of games we had. I think it was one at Anfield in 2018-19. It was nil nil. Um, you know where they sort of cancelled each other out. 
apart from that, you know, all the rest of them have been, you know, very open, a lot of lot of goals in them. So you expect more of the same, really, in that one. I tell you what, it is going to be very, very interesting, Dan. I've already seen social media, uh, Everton fans on social media, uh, being putting things like, I'd rather we went down and see them win anything else. Um, so I want City to beat us on Saturday. I watched the Leeds Everton game at Goodison, and, and Everton were unplayable first half. Mm. The crowd had whipped them into such a frenzy. They knew what was at stake, and they absolutely had it with, with Leeds. Leeds. Leeds were done by half time. They were 3 0 down at half time, I think. Yeah. Um, and they were absolutely done. Now, what's going to be interesting? It's all right, Evertonians saying, we, well, let's get City beating them. Frank Lampard's not going to think that. The coaching staff aren't going to think that, and the players aren't going to think that. And let's see how many Evertonians, when that first whistle goes, and they understand now that Burnley have just beat them and are breathing down the next. And Watford still aren't far at the party. Probably mm-hmm. are because games in hand and stuff. But Burnley are breathing down their neck. They seem to have a new lease of life. It'll be interesting to see the huge dilemma Evertonians are going to be in down. Are they going to scream and shout at their players and try and get them going? Because if they do, that could be a very tricky first half, uh, first half for Man City. Well, it wouldn't be the first time, would it? I think I'm right in saying the weekend after that infamous Gerrard slip game in 2014, Everton were at City. I actually went to Kenton yeah. Park that day. Tranmere sadly got relegated against Bradford, I seem to remember. But I remember bailing back over the water quickly to you know meet mates in the booster to watch Everton City. I think Ross Barkley scored a great goal early on. City fought back to win 3-2. I do remember seeing memes that, you know, apparently the couple of people had T-shirts, Everton fans had T-shirts. I think, I think Milner delivered one of the corners for, the, uh, for, for City's equaliser, didn't he? Quite possibly. But some Everton fans had T-shirts that basically said, it's not the winning, but the taking part that counts. Obviously, you know, they, they were in a position to do that. They were safe from relegation. It was near the end of the season. The reality is, um, you know, I, 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 I've seen most of Lampard's first two home games as well. And they've been very strong, very good at home. Obviously, they've been abject away. Two terrible defeats, I think, at Newcastle and Southampton. And the reality is, like you say, last weekend, there were results. You, know, you mentioned Watford before. What? what Watford won at Villa last weekend. I know they got battered at home by Palace in midweek. But, you know, the likes of Burnley are picking up. Uh, New, New, Newcastle, under new management, obviously picking up as well. Everton cannot afford to take it lightly. And like you said, however much some, and I, you know, I do say some Evertonians almost define their identity by how much they hate Liverpool rather than how much they love their own club. <laughs> that matters not a jot to the likes of Lampard or the players or the coaching staff. Who, who are looking at not just you know their futures but their, their potential careers? They don't want to play in the championship. So if you have to expect you have to expect City to win. They're a much better team than Everton, and obviously they've had a week's rest. They haven't played this midweek, and and they will be very much wanting a reaction from obviously the shock home defeat to Tottenham at the weekend. But it's Goodison Park, as Tom was saying you know earlier on in the podcast. You know Ben Foster and plenty of other people in football are aware that it can be a real bear pit uh, when it gets going. Um, so yeah, yeah, we'll all be shooting in at five thirty tomorrow with no great expectations, and who knows if even if Everton can just get a even if Everton can just get a draw, it would uh, it would you know be grist to our mill. But I'm not counting on it. Yeah, absolutely, it's a win-win for us either way. Listen, Dan K, thank you very much, pal. Tom uh, Cavilla, good good thank debut, you. good Lewis Diaz type debut there, my friend. <laughs> uh, I hope you're around for plenty uh, plenty more in the future listen everybody thanks again once again for listening to Poetry Emotion if you're going down there stay safe have a good trip down there uh, have a few drinks have a lot of laughs and put some more memories in the bank because that's what this club does for us it gives us incredible memories so enjoy some more I'm Neil Fitz that was Dan Kay and Tom Cavilla and this was Poetry Emotion. Motion <laughs>
You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.